Hello, and thanks for joining us for show number one of the Studio Rats podcast. I'm Matt McCabe. My cohort, Jeff Elbelt, will be joining us shortly via cell phone, and I'll be talking to him about his recent trip to the Tape Op conference in Arizona. In future shows, we will be interviewing recording musicians and engineers, listening to samples of their work, and talking about any specific recording technique that they have in the studio to help them get their sound. But that's all going to have to wait for the next show. Let's go out now and see what Jeff has to say. All right, Jeff. So it's June 10th, 2007. You're at the Tape Op Conference, and it's being held in Arizona this year? This year and last year, uh, the Tape Op Conference has been held at the El Conquistador Hotel outside of Tucson, Arizona. It's up in the foothills. So um, it's about 30 minutes outside of downtown Tucson. But we, uh, they, they bus people into town every night for shows at the Congress or Hotel Congress and uh, other events. Uh, we, they, we had a concert with the Rebirth Brass Band from New Orleans at the Rialto on Friday night, which was a benefit for, I think it was either Music Cares or Music Rising to benefit uh, New Orleans Music Education and Recovery. And uh, there, were, there were shows across the street at the Hotel Congress, including one by Mitch Easter, which I teched. And then yesterday, we set up a full sound and lighting rig for shows here at the hotel, El Conquistador, with Devochka from Denver, Colorado, Calexico, which is mostly from Tucson, and one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. And then John Vandersleis, who I believe is from Portland, Oregon, and who is also a, spends as much time producing and engineering as he does being a performer. Now, have you had a chance to go to any of the seminars that they have there at the conference? I went to I went to as many as I could. I was I was on one of the panels on the I was on the first panel on the first day for Logic Audio, and at the same at the same time, you know, there were there were other quote unquote smaller platform panels running for New Window and Digital Performer, and so you you know you pick and choose wherever your area of expertise and interest is. And right. so our the Logic panel we we had a pretty good crowd. I'd say there were between forty and fifty people. Were you able to sit in on any of the other panels that they had? There were a lot of panels yesterday, which was Saturday, that I wanted to go see, but I was I was working the rig from from noon to one thirty. But on um, on Friday after my panel, I went straight over to Scott Hampton's Build Your Own. What was it? The Build Your Own Four Track Mixer. Okay, now and is he the guy it, from uh, Hampton? Yes, yeah, Hampton Electronics in in Portland, and he does yeah he does a lot of my pre- but he does compressors and basically anything else he can set his mind to that he thinks somebody's going to buy. And he does use a lot of high-end components and does really good work. So I'd like to buy his kits, but my soldering skills are still improving. Okay, well, the other things that I saw were today, I, I went to uh, the mastering demo session, and I, I definitely got a couple of great ideas that I want to try to find out if there's a way I can incorporate them into my rig, you know, using mid-side technique where you decode a stereo program into the center channel component, which is pushed one way, and the stereo component, which is encoded into a mono component that's pushed the other way. So if you wanted to just, you know, add some enhancer or high-end sparkle to to the lead vocal, which is going to be in the center channel, and leave, say, your shimmery acoustic guitars alone so you don't make them harsh, and you can use this mid-side technique and you can treat those two components of the mix separately and then fold together. A dangerous makes a box that does it all in 
side of itself. You know, you, it splits it splits the pieces out so you can work on them through a side chain, and then it feeds them back in and decodes them and sends them on to the next piece in your line. So, and it only costs eight thousand dollars. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but you know, I the, wonder if there's the, a way to replicate that in um, in Logic or uh, other you know. Pro Tools or something, if people are mixing in the box. I'm sure there is a way. You know, the, the finalizer has a mid-side, you know, the, the much maligned finalizer. If you come here and say you're a mastering engineer and then admit that you use the, the finalizer, I think they want to string you up and barn. Oh, yeah, you. probably ostracize you. But I know the finalizer does have a mid-side decoder in it, but I'm not quite sure how you can do that because you only get one instance of it. Well, the, the whole concept of mastering is, you know, you're limited. You have two channels to work with. Exactly. And in effect, you know, the mid-side techniques gives you virtually another channel to work with, or it splits your channels into three. This gives you a little more versatility. Yeah. But there's also a, there's an ad hoc studio center, and it's really well outfitted because all these manufacturers want to get their gear shown off in front of everybody. Uh, the only one I actually got to go to was Crazy Mike. Today, my friend Mark Rubel from Champagne, mm-hmm. uh, who usually gets tapped for anything that they want to call crazy or weird. <laughs> uh, so he and Joel Hamilton, who's a fairly well-known engineer um, slash producer, headed up the crazy miking techniques. Any uh, techniques that, that stuck out? Is this something that you might want to try oh. in your own studio? Just uh, things like taking a 10-inch or 12-inch speaker and wiring it back into a balanced XLR cable, putting that in front of your kick drum to get all that body and sub-bass by treating um, a speaker cone as a very large dynamic microphone. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did other things like hang a small diaphragm, a 30-gallon water jug or something like that, you know, plastic water jug, which is is a, a... noise attenuator, and uh, basically a very strange EQ for a microphone. Right, I Set sus- that in front of the kick drum, too. Suspect get very, you'd get some sort of weird resonance happening in there. Right, yeah, very weird boing at about 180 or something like that, and, and overtones thereof, so you uh-huh. get very, very high pain. And I said, well, you know, if you really want to go for it, then you, you take sand or water or something like that, and you, you start filling the tub until tune you it. tune it to right. that you want. And the, the things, you know, just things like uh, taking a, a latch-like boom that goes up 24 feet, and it was in a tall room. So they, they put it up into the... They said, basically, this cupola up here is a lens, and so we're going to put a mic up there, and mics down the hall into the bathroom, that kind of thing. Uh, but then it was you know, using toys, uh, uh, putting a microphone inside pillows in, in a box and closing the lid, and then maybe actually opening and closing the lid to make a strange phase sound. Uh, probably the best trick was putting a lavalier mic in the end of a 50-foot section of hose and micing a snare drum with that. I had to actually get that hose, too. I had to, Mark got in touch with me last night and asked me to try to coordinate with the hotel's engineering department to, to borrow a section of hose. So I called at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm sure they thought I was drunk or high. Or probably. Did they fork over the hose, though? Yeah, they did. So you must have been, must have had a convincing uh, argument, at least. We got a very grubby garden hose that you know caked with mud on one side. So well, it sure probably helped out the sound. 
I think it did. You're going for that lo-fi thing, a little mud never hurt. That's right. Grunge. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the early 90s are coming back. <laughs> Put some flannel on it. One of, uh, one of Mark's other good tricks was he said for the ultimate and close miking, he pulled out two microphones and handed them to the drummer and said, okay, play. Oh, <laughs> uh, 57s, I hope. Hopefully nothing too expensive. These <laughs> from Radio Shack, they were $10. Yeah. And now uh, these would actually be uh, plugged into the console? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they recorded, the, they recorded the kit with these two drum microphones. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of kick in that mix. I'm sure it would sound interesting. I can't imagine that would be too usable, though. Usable is relative. I yeah, wouldn't want true. to put it across a whole song, but if you wanted to have kind of an intro or an outro piece, it was... It, it was actually interesting. It wasn't all metallic flack on the cymbals like you might expect it would be. Right. Well, I guess that's the point. Um, it's like uh, until you try these crazy ideas out, you're never going to know what they're going to sound like. Yeah. The one I always liked was taping a PZM or any boundary microphone to the drummer's chest. Mm-hmm. We did that before on the Fairwood of Juliet record that you played on the bulk of. And... You know, I remember Mark saying, okay, well, you go out and tape to his chest. And I said, well, okay, don't tell him it's okay to tape to his shirt. Actually, make him tape his shirt off and tape it physically to his chest with the gaffer tape. Because he was kind of a hairy, he was a hairy guy. <laughs> I'm sure and, you appreciated that, that. Yeah, but that works really well. You don't get phasing problems like you might think, but if, if you know, you had a nail carrot kit or something like that and somebody went on a really big tom roll and basically the drummer's got a turn to do that, it's, it adds a subtle dimension and plus, it is a fairly clear sound. Mm-hmm. I was always surprised though, that you didn't get any like breathing, chest movement, or heartbeat or anything. Well, I guess the drums are so loud, they probably just drowned everything else out. Yeah. So they did that today, too, but they didn't tape it to the guy's chest. They taped it to his shirt. Oh, they went easy on him. Yeah. He wasn't being taped, so. <laughs> so you said you were on a break, so what do you have going on for the rest of the evening? Well, there's the final large... So everything's broken out into these bits and pieces panels where you pick and choose, and at the end of the day, they'll have a couple of uh, global panels where everybody comes into the room. And the last panel is, is a producer's panel covering records that made me want to review. It's, I think it's called Records That Made Me Want to Make Records. Mm-hmm. And so it's always fun. You know, that It's a little more light, nostalgic, and everybody, everybody waxes sentimental and remembers that the reason they're here isn't to necessarily geek out over gear. Although, you know, that, that is a big part of the reason why they're here. But the other major reason is because of music itself. So you are uh, hopping on a plane later this afternoon after that last panel and going back no, home? No, I'm actually I'm lucky enough that I can go back tomorrow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I might, there's a water slide here. There's a 143-foot water slide above the kiddie pool. <laughs> and last year, I heard everybody talking about it, but didn't go you know, last year. Uh, it was the first thing I did. I, I went over there and pushed some little kids out of the way so I could go down the water slide. <laughs> actually, bully. actually, yeah, it was almost all grown-ups, though. There were very few little kids. I think they were intimidated by all the the, the very, very pale grown-ups that were going <laughs> down the water slide. You know, what are these albinos doing on our slide? <laughs> now, that sounds like a good way to, to finish up the weekend. Yeah, we need to find a way to, to to put a signal source at the top of it and record it at the bottom is what I think we need to do. There you go. Because that, that's got to be an improvement over the 50-foot length of hose. 
All right. Well, that's going to wrap up show number one. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to leave us any feedback or comments, please email us at hosts at finleysound.com. That's H-O-S-T-S at F-I-N-L-E-Y-S-O-U-N-D.com. Or you can leave us uh, audio feedback on our uh, Skype listener feedback line. That number is 707-736-6235. That's 707-736-6235. Again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Studio Rats podcast. Studio Rats podcast.